Welcome to the Winest Shuffle, the Inverness Caledonian Thistle fan podcast. We're back with a fourth episode, like all the top franchises. Episode four is always the best, so strap in for a look at the latest cinematic releases. Conquest of the Planet of the Pars, Mary Queen of the South got her head chopped off, Thunder McCall and Lethal Rooney 4. We ask if Sean Welsh is made of twiglets, is it Roddy McGregor time? What will come first, a Scotland call-up for Sean Rooney or a haircut for Tom Walsh? And we're still going to pack 25 years' worth of ICT references into an hour of wild conjecture and mild distraction. So without further ado, let's shuffle on. Business. What did Tarzan see when he found a screwdriver? There's it! Welcome one and all, I'm Andrew Moffat and in the studio for this fourth podcast we have a man who idolises Steve Patterson to such an extent he not only took on the great man's football ethos, but also his drinking habits, Ross McKenzie. <laughs> uh, we ask, uh, well, a man who asks if Jordan White falls and there is no one around to hear him, does he make a sound? Andrew Young. Hello. Uh, a man who thinks his GDPR rights might have been violated, that's myself. And a man who is just today a faceless voice in the ether, joining us, joining us as he is today by the power of technology, i.e. his telephone. <laughs> Andrew Sutherland. How you doing? Uh, so in the last few weeks, we've experienced Groundhog Day with another comprehensive beating of Morton. St David's Day, a Welsh penalty and a 1-0 win over the pars. Republican Day with a sound thrashing of the Queen's. World Bubble Bursting Day with a prickly home loss to Partick and Grand Sean Rooney National Day at air. So we kick off, as usual, uh, in an upbeat tone and ask what's been everyone's Highland highlight of the last month, Andrew. Yeah, we need to just christen this section um, Rooney highlight this month because anyone choosing something that's not to do with Sean Rooney is doing it wrong. Um, there are loads of things to choose from. You know, goals he made for Tom Walsh and James Vincent against Queen's and Air, Maradona esque run and pirouette against Queen's, his goal against Air. But the highlight for me was actually when he took a photo of the away support with Moff's camera, in fact, at the end of the Air game. Um, it just summed up how much he's loving life at the moment in the, at the club. And yeah. he responds really well to the love from the fans, and we need that at the moment more than anything. So, Sav? Uh, well, first of all, I'm surprised that Rooney didn't actually just run off with your, your phone. I did think he was going to do a runner with it, actually. Um, but, you yeah, know, for me, um, it's actually going to be a non-Sean Rooney moment. Um, I was really mm. impressed with um, Callum Harper uh, starting against Morton uh, in the uh, Challenge Cup game. There's been a lot of hype about this guy, and it was good to actually see him um, start a game, and he looked really reminiscent of a kind of an old Graham Shinney, uh, defensively sound, and got forward to support the attack really well, so uh, very encouraging signs for the future for us. Uh, my highlight was sitting next to Sov in the North Stand for the Queen of the South game. <laughs> uh, n- not just, you know, being so close to Sov for 90 minutes, but uh, his reaction to Tom Walsh's goal, or his pre-action to Tom Walsh's goal, Sov was on his feet, celebrating the goal before Tom Walsh had kicked the ball. <laughs> it was it was absolutely amazing. And uh, he went on to explain the science behind this. Apparently, if you sit in the North Stand for long enough watching watching us uh, punish teams at the other end, then you can tell from the body shape when the ball is really? going to... Uh, My God. Yeah, apparently. You just get used to it. Um, I, I think, Andrew, you said that my highlight would probably be the camera thing. I mean, I, I did enjoy that, but my... My highlight was probably uh, Sean Welsh's last-minute penalty against Dunfermline. Where going by the news, it's just broken. We're not going to see that again for a long time. But I was, I was sitting next to my boss at work from work at the time, and he's a Pars fan. So getting it right up him uh, in the in the last minute or two was great. So it was a bit awkward on Monday morning. 
it's when you come in like after the Christmas party and you don't know what you've done. I couldn't, couldn't remember if I got it right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, back-to-back wins against Morton, um, Pars, Queens, a real swell of positivity that we haven't seen at the Cali Stadium since Danny Lopez left. Uh, but then a wave of optimism replaced by this sort of ubiquitous Highland fatalism that rears its head for maybe now and again. Um, and all because of Ian McCall um, before Rooney and co then cancel that all out of air so really even with the off-field backdrop that we're going to discuss later on uh, and that, that one wee blip that we'll talk about as well is that, it has been a fantastic month hasn't it Sav? Yeah I think um, I mean, obviously they had that party pistol blip but that was just um, unfortunately for us a bad time to play them I think everyone kind of sensed that with McCall coming back there they were going to be a lot more dangerous than if Caldwell was still there I think if Caldwell was still at part once we got back into that game we would have gone on to win but with McCall I don't know it um, seemed to have our number um, a little bit even though we had a good record against there last season there was just something about that game that just um, kind of screamed out banana skin but the rest of the month yeah it was absolutely fantastic convincing win against Morton uh, kind of late late goal against Dunfermline uh, and obviously the fantastic result against there at the weekend yeah, just to follow up with the result against there at the weekend, Ross and I were talking about that just before we came in here. There was something about the mood at the end of that game. You know, there was an incredible sense of kind of togetherness. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a cliche, but you do get it sometimes with that kind of Cali away crowd. Mm. And um, it was such a fighting performance. Um, we saw it out really well. All the stuff with Rooney, you know, I mean, everyone went out of there feeling, you know, a foot taller. You know, it was, it was brilliant. And that's yeah. the sort of day that you kind of like, you want a few of those every season. I think everybody started to feel better after the 5-0 win over Morton. That, you know, um, the way we played in that game in that second half just got everybody, you know, involved with this team, got got us into it. And I, I don't think that the Park Thistle result aside, we haven't really looked back from there. There's a, there's a good feeling amongst the fans, amongst the players, and, you know, it feels like we're ready to have a go. OK, another win over Morton, a carbon copy, last-minute win at East End, but the football sloppy, easy win over Queen's, and no impact for Dobby, the Battle of the Thistles, but McCall's still a jobby, air annihilated, and Rooney's taking bodies. you got no soul, you rubber bumpers! Spit that! Well, well, well. OK, game by game, let's look at uh, the past month, uh, and first up it was a 3-1 cup win v Morton. Um, an easy win really should have been more but for some poor finishing and some desperate turn defending I think Robbo shuffled the pack in this game he brought in Trafford McHattie Todorov um, we saw well we saw the long awaited return of uh, Sean Welsh uh, ironically enough uh, Harper started as Sub mentioned already and Machado made, a, made an appearance well, um, you know, talk us through this game Sub I mean how did these changes affect the style of play the weird thing was about this game actually was that even though we had beaten Morton 5-0 uh, the week before, I actually thought this was a more convincing win uh, despite the um, slightly reduced scoreline. Um, you know, I, I know players like you know Trafford and McCarty, they're probably not going to be considered our um, first team regulars, injuries aside. But you know, players like that came in, they gave a good account of themselves. Um, as you mentioned, we had the long-awaited return of Sean Welsh. That was great to see. He really does bring a kind of a real um, bit of balance and composure to uh, midfield, and it was great to see him just stroking the ball about, um, just like you know, for most of the last season, he, he really does kind of keep things ticking over nicely for us in the middle of the park. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the young guys coming in as well. I already mentioned Harper, um, McGregor as well, uh, impressed. So yeah, I mean, even though Robbo did make a lot of changes for this game, as we mentioned before, one of the big things I think we're going to see a difference in this season is that Robbo has now got. You know, a good few options off the bench that he can do this on occasion if he needs to. 
or in the league if injuries kind of kick in. Um, but yeah, we we, we looked, um, you know, really, you know, just kind of breezing our way through this game uh, for most of it, and and, and Morton really seldom threatened. Yeah, I mean, picking up what you said about the young guys, I think that's the really, really positive thing to take out of this game. Uh, I mean, Harper solidity for you, I think he was the man of the match. Um, Tomarco's got, what, one more season after this? Maybe as a first choice, maybe a couple. Mm. Um, and if Harper came through as his natural replacement, that really shows the value of our youth system, which is something we're probably going to talk about. You know, But it's great to have someone like that coming through. Obviously, McGregor, we've seen the last few weeks, he looks great. But one of the things I noticed was that actually he was kind of running beyond quite a lot. And I think you could see him playing as a striker, potentially, if we were kind of, um, you know, if we were struggling up there. Who? I know uh, McGregor, Roddy McGregor. McGregor, I think yeah. can play as a striker, you know, and I think did on occasion in the under-18s right. last season, um, according to someone that I know that played against him. Um, and Machado as well, getting minutes, that's really encouraging as well. You know, there was just little touches there. You know, there was a, a little exchange with Trafford that led to the penalty, which I thought he looked really, really, you know, kind of exciting and nimble there. There was a great big jinking run that set up a shot for McGregor. He had a shot of his own that went narrowly wide. I think we're looking at this and thinking there's genuine talent there coming off the bench, you know, and in the Andre, the reserves now, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a great thing to take out of a game like that. What about going forward, Ross? Um, Todorov and Story both outstanding in that game, both scoring. Could could that be a partnership for the second half of the season? Maybe going into next season. Todorov obviously scores that fantastic goal and uh, um, looked looked like an option at that point. Um, personally, from what I've seen from him in other games, um, I would still I would still go with White. But I mean, the number of changes we made in the game overall um, speaks to. The, the strength of the squad this season and um you know there's there's various options we can we can use up front if we need to um which we just didn't have at all last season and that was shown in this game yeah and uh, another another group of people that perhaps impressed the Czech supporters sub is that right yeah uh, they're 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 my new Czech mates <laughs> Whoa. Oh that's why you've been relegated to Some the phone absolute da banter there um yeah no there's a group of about eight, nine, maybe ten of them or something in the North Stand uh, kind of bumped into them queuing for tickets uh, outside. They'd clearly been sampling a few of the local watering holes and uh, were enjoying a good smoke and then they all had the cheek to ask for a child's ticket for the North Stand. So <laughs> fair play to them for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we, we talked before about the kind of um, the lack of atmosphere uh, in Vernest games, but you were a bunch of, um, you know, tourists, I guess, uh, visiting the area, took in a game, um, went to the shop, bought a load of scarves. And just just made a wee bit of noise in the North Stand for a change, and you know I'm not going to say it was you know an amazing atmosphere, um, you know, or any better than what we've had in the past, maybe with like the young team or whatever. But you know it livened things up. Everyone had a good laugh, um, and uh, yeah, hopefully they'll hopefully they'll come back. Although they haven't been back uh, since, maybe they'll come back next year. But yeah, it was great just to have a little bit of fun, bit of a laugh in the North Stand for a change. Yeah, well, um, some people that didn't have fun were the Morton fans for the second week in a row. Um, talking a little bit about the opposition, a complete lack of ideas from them. I think they went into the game with the same game plan again. Really worrying for the Morton fans, and they're not happy with the manager at all. And I've even heard talk that when Hopkin was doing well at Livingston, it actually wasn't Hopkin that was actually the mastermind behind it. It was actually David Martindale, who's still the assistant at Livingston, the sort of power behind the throne there. So worrying for them, Ross. I've heard this theory, um, but Morton... I wonder where their budget is in the league. I imagine it's the lowest outside of the part-time side. And he's picked up a fair few points. I mean, what, what are Morton expecting from this season? Mm. Avoiding that playoff spot. St- you know, finishing finishing eighth. That's 
that 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 would fit for more. And if Hopkin does that, then I think they've got I think the right it's the to more. The sheer volume of goals they conceded, they've conceded the most goals. Aye, but they're picking up points in the process. They got another one on Saturday. Yeah. Mm. Apparently, they're playing Jim McAllister or were playing Jim McAllister at centre half. You know, early in the season, which doesn't sound great. It sounds like they're really struggling. And yet, you know, Peter Grant's come in. He seems to have stayed injury free. Seems to have done all right. You know, so maybe you know they've got a terrible squad, and 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 Hopkin Hopkin will keep them up. I've got no doubt about that. Okay, uh, next game, Dunfermline away. The scene of our uh, our one and only mini mini pod away day booze special. Um, an interminably dull game of football. Nothing happened until the penalty happened. Um, just uh, and then just changed the entire narrative of the game, and everybody had a good day out at the end of the day. Um, first game that Keating's missed, what a miss it was. Stories come in, he's changed the system to just sort of get him into the team. We played an ostensible 4 4 2. Has that played into the par's hands, Sav? I think one of the things that um, we missed in this game, apart from obviously uh, Keating's been out injured and he's out for something like three, four months or something, which is another pain in the arse. Um, was obviously the kind of composure in midfield of Sean Welsh. Dunfermline really went at Vincent and Carson any time they had the ball. And you can see in Carson especially, I, th- I think he kind of panicked quite a lot any time that he got the ball and he got put under pressure by uh, Dunfermline players. And, and a lot of the time he was just kind of emptying it, just whatever he could, just get the ball away. Um, when Welsh came on, he was a lot more composed. I know it's a bit of a cliche with Sean Welsh, but he really was. You know, he just didn't seem to get phased by the by the pressure he was under and he just kept things kind of moving um from left to right you know passing probing moving about taking a return um so yeah i, th- I think that, that that's when the game changed for us was when welsh came on and we started to look a little bit more um relaxed and we were able to kind of hold off the pars press yeah i think your point about welsh coming on and changing it was important and it does give me a bit of a fear if he's out long term that um games like that when we're pressed in midfield you know we might struggle a wee bit one of the things I noticed, and it may be because, you know, Carson and Vincent were trying to get rid of it too quickly, but the ball spent far too long in the air on a very, very windy day. You know, the ball was kind of getting, you know, popped up towards our forwards and just coming back, and that that was really, really frustrating. Um, and I think that definitely improved when Welsh came on because he was ready to take the ball and carry it. Another thing I noticed, our defensive line felt very, very deep in that game. I mean, it seemed to work, you know, but it seemed to be a lot deeper than it has been. And I don't know if that's just, isn't this bit a kind of fast forward or whatever, you know. It's sure, probably just a, a tactical choice yeah, uh, yeah, in, that, in that period of the game by Robertson because uh-huh. they, they do they do try to press a lot of men up the park. Yeah, I mean, it did, I think it worked. I think it was fine, you know what I mean? But you always kind of, I'd, I'd still prefer us, I think, pushing up a wee bit yeah. more, you know, but. It was horrible to watch, but if you get, you know, you get a late penalty and you win it, everybody leaves delighted. I'd, right, I'd exactly. watch, I'd happily watch exactly. thirty six of them yeah. on our way to yeah. the title. In terms of the system, um, you're, you're uh, obviously Story started alongside White, but he swapped with Walsh uh, about halfway through the first half, and then I think in the second half again we lined up four four two, and then again they, they they seemed to swap, and when they swap, Tom Walsh plays a bit deeper. Actually, we're going to talk about Queen of the South, but they did a similar kind of switching. Uh, off the system in that game as well um in, and in the, in the second half um again you know w- you know we switched it quite quickly but much like the Dundee game last month Robbo decides to twist after the the home team have committed to going forward so Dunfermline opened up and yeah. Robbo responds by bringing on McGregor well let's um, we'll talk a little bit about him um, going forward we haven't done anything really until the subs have come on Toddy's come on 
Roddy's come on, Welsh has come on, all three of them have made an impact, all three of them have been a great introduction and all three of them have ch- turned the game. Todorov didn't make much. In- I would, know he was involved in the penalty. I bet you've um, got a guy who's fresh on there, he's a he's a, he's a, he's a handful for mm-hmm. defence, he stretches them about. He doesn't need to do much else because if you cre- at least just create space, you've got McGregor running at the holes, mm-hmm. you've got, you know, there's lots of But it was there. exactly what he did at Dundee. He waited till Dunfermline moved forward and then that space was ideal for McGregor. Um, McGregor, yeah. a young boy, you know, maybe tactically not aware enough to start games in a midfield but to bring him on in the last 20 minutes of a game when the space is opening up you know away from home he's absolutely ideal and Robbo, I think Robbo knows just when to bring him on he doesn't want to be starting him at the moment yeah. he's got no choice Sub. Well I think the good thing with McGregor is um, he, doesn't, he doesn't seem nervous at all which is great I mean how, how old is this kid what like 18, 19 17 he's 17 he just doesn't seem sorry He's 17. Oh, there you go. He's yeah. very, he just doesn't seem phased at all. You know, he's, he's happy to get the ball down. He's happy to um, kind of, you know, run at opposition players. I remember a game against Dunfermline last season when uh, Anthony McDonald, who you know, I, I do rate highly, um, he, he came on for us in that game. I think it was just I think it was, uh, to replace Macaulay before he got sent off. Um, and there was times where he looked like he looked a little bit lost. He didn't seem to know what he was doing. And you compare that to McGregor when he came on against Dunfermline. And you know he was straight into the action. He was really keen to get the ball down. You know, pass and move, get forward. And you know, the, our subs really changed the game uh, for us. We shouldn't also overlook, of course, the um, the Firmland sub that changed the game. You know, bringing on Danny. <laughs> Yay! Yay! He helped us no end. Uh, I'll take that number two for your dad. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we deserved it. At the end of the day, you know, Dunfermline, Yeah, they had they had a fair chunk of the ball, but I didn't feel threatened by them at all. And um, I think our defence. Is um, is looking absolutely superb this season. I know, obviously, we got um, done over by uh, Dundee United in the first game, and we've got the recent loss uh, against Partick. But that that back four of Tremarco, McCart, Donaldson, and Rooney really is superb. I would argue it's probably one of the best in the division, and Donaldson especially has really grown um, into a much better defender this season um, since his shaky start in the League Cup games. Um, he's great at just bringing the ball under control and just kind of like um, stepping out of defence. Um, so I think, yeah, even though it wasn't the most exciting game, I still think there was a lot of positives to take from that. In that we just we just really do look resolute at the back for the most part. Yeah. What about the opposition? They've, uh, we talked about them before. We previewed them. They've got a they've got a huge squad. They've got these lone players from Hearts in. They've got there. I mean, they've got a, a great squad of players at their disposal, and they're just not doing it for Crawford. Um, how long before? How long has he got there? Anyone really, Ross? I think he looks rubbish. I mean, he had he's only won five games as Dunfermline manager, and they were they were all in a row last season, weren't they? Yeah, um, most of them were one nil. Aye, and that and that's that's all he's done. They, I mean, and he's been able to bring his own players in this season. Yeah, um, they've had a terrible start. I, I you think they should get rid of him now? Yeah, I mean, the signings look good on paper, don't they? Or a lot of them do. I mean, this bit is a, a bit of a no brainer. You know, yeah. um, McDonald was great for us as well. You know, but just whatever. I mean, you give him a certain amount of time to get a, you know get them to know each other but yeah it just didn't look if I was a Dunfermline fan I'd be screaming for him to go right now well it certainly seems to be the way on Pine Borrow I mean it was another late goal considered against Morton at the weekend and it does yeah. seem like the tide is turning against Crawford yeah. um, because uh, any honeymoon period he might have had as well and truly over do you remember the 21st night of September love was changing the minds of pretenders who chasing queens and south away <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> you are not. It's staying in. <laughs> An easy one against an uninspiring Queen side who seldom threatened because they are rubbish. Are they not? 
that's my position mm-hmm. following this. No, actually, yeah. no. I don't know if they are that bad. I think the following week, I can't even remember who they played the following week. Was it Dundee United televised game or was it? Who? Was who? It? Queens. No, uh, no Aloha was a televised game last week. No, no the, but the week after The week that, after they played us. They, was it, it was Thistle. Obviously, they won at Thistle last week. They won at Thistle on Saturday. Right, so they, won one nil, they won one nil at Thistle, yeah. Right, okay, hang on. They were on the TV the week after they played us, and I thought they actually looked decent. They were on TV. It might have been some channel. They might have been playing against, you know, Motherwell under 21s or something. No, yeah. they, no it was <laughs> a Friday night. Who were they playing, Andrew? It was a Friday night game. It was a Friday night game. I can't remember. Regardless, regardless. I think you fantasized this. I genuinely thought they looked a lot better in that game than they did Andrew had a dream that he saw Queen's They don't score a lot of goals. They don't score a lot of goals. I know, I'm right. And they, I'm looking this up. They well, they concede. They don't concede a lot, but they don't score a lot either. So, um, they're just really, really uninspiring, much like Alan Johnston. But anyway, enough <laughs> about them. I think in that game, Welsh has come into partner Vincent. Carson's dropped to the bench. It's a sort of a four-four-one-one-four-two-three-one again. Walsh, um, Story, Walsh, and Doran interchanging behind White. And the defence, like I've touched on in the previous match, looked increasingly impenetrable yet again. I think it was the fourth consecutive league game without conceding. Um, Don- Donaldson and McCart tighter than Graham Ray's dusty purse <laughs> <laughs> Donaldson and McCart were particularly good in this game I mean in terms of bringing it out and you know Donaldson and McCart were one thing and then the other thing in front of them was Welsh and Vincent which I really enjoyed and you know I feel a bit wistful now looking back on it because it's not happening again anytime soon but they absolutely owned that game the first half especially they were just stroking it about at will but I mean that speaks to you know the centre of the park, not, uh, not not feeling any pressure at all from Queens. You know the 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 defenders weren't under pressure. The 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 centre midfielder wasn't under pressure, and they had the space just to knock it about. Um, so I've thought about going forward. Um, I think you you mentioned to me earlier there's a lot of interchanging with story popping up all over the place. R- run us through that. Was this more of a a fluid attack than we've seen in previous uh, previous games in this campaign to date? Yeah, I mean I, I definitely think so. I mean unless I've just been oblivious to it. Um, if I remember right, I think it was uh, you had Doran mainly playing on the left, and Story and Walsh seemed to just switch it well between one of them playing on the right and one of them playing in the middle, and it was it was quite good to see because you know the, I I was struggling to keep track of it, but you could tell that the the Queen of Defence was struggling to keep track of it as well. Um, I think I, I like Story. I think he's a good player for us. I do think he's somewhat limited out wide in that his only move is to just kind of knock the ball past his um, marker and then run really fast to try and get it. Whereas Walsh has got a little bit more um, guile about him. He can dig out a better cross than Story. But by moving the two of them, especially those two, around, it meant the Queen's left back was, was really struggling to, to deal with the, the, kind of the, pace, the, the more kind of pacey, direct approach of Story and the kind of more... Um, Tricky, kind of you know, twisty, turny Walsh, uh, and as a result, you know, the, the the two of them kind of between the two of them got a lot of change down the the, the Queen's left. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of story this season. Um, I think Robbo likes him, and he's got good reason to like him. When we were all pissed on the train home from Dunfermline, we all wanted McGregor in the team, you know, um, but. He didn't when he when he didn't start against uh, Queen of the South the following week. It was a wee bit disappointed. Um, in fact, he didn't even get on in that game. Um, but but Story, as much as he was poor with the ball at his feet, he makes these runs. These he's a big, powerful boy, and he's really fast. And so you know, he's sometimes he's in the middle, sometimes he's in the right, and he's making these really, really fast, forceful runs often without the ball, but that's spooking the hell out of these championship defences. Yeah. I think he does so much off the ball, 
for us in terms of freaking defences out that you know he's a very good person to have there in order to open up space for the, the players who are better with the ball at their feet yeah I, I agree actually and I think um, Sov is slightly harsh on him um, when he's out wide I think the last few games he's impressed me a wee bit because he's not just knocking the ball past and running onto it, he's actually, you know, taking the ball, shielding it and cutting in a wee bit and kind of opening up play. And I've noticed that quite a lot recently. Something I'll come on to as well, actually, in the air game is that also he actually provides good cover for Rooney because he's strong and he's yeah. powerful, you know, yeah. which is great. Um, going back to, like, the attacking play against Queen of the South, uh, can I just, like, put in a word for my man Sean again? <laughs> That's another assist for him. You know, his assist stats are getting to Polworth levels already. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's uh, that's really impressive for a right back, you know. Right. Uh, so. uh, okay, we move on shortly, but just we've not really talked about the centre of the pitch um, so far in the games we've covered. Uh, Welsh and Vincent in the middle in this game, one always sitting, the other driving forward. How important is it, well, up to this moment, how important was it to have that combination playing every week? You obviously not listen to me, Moff. I talked about the centre of the pitch well, at length earlier on in the session. I'm asking you anyway, again. And those, um, those two specific I think, yeah, players. I suppose what I didn't mention was they did seem to have um, that understanding between them uh, where, where if one went forward, the other would cover. And, you know, they're both experienced players, both very comfortable with the ball in tight positions. And they just, with the space they had in that midfield, um, they they just walked it and they looked like they would be a great pairing uh, for for the rest of the season until of course until of course they're not but the, of course the caveat is and we go back to it um, you know Queens were terrible the boy who did they bring on uh, Michael Payton Michael Payton what a complete yeah. mess of a man he looked, <laughs> he looked more part time than you know uh, either of the part time teams uh, have a don't have a player that looks that part time although you know he didn't maybe look quite as part time as Darren McCauley to be fair. I thought they had just brought him in off the fields from the Black Island. <laughs> That's <laughs> why I looked at a player or two. Um, but no, I think, um, I think good, good to flag up Vincent because um, I think there was a few people, probably myself included to be fair, yeah. that when he signed thought, you know, we're just getting this guy in for the romantic side of things. But I think over the course of the season, he, he's been improving every week. And I think now he's, he's pretty much to, pretty much close to being a, a first, um, first choice in, in the team sheet. Yeah. yeah, I think he's a harder worker and a more intelligent player than I remembered him being. You know, um, and also as Ross says, he's experienced. You know, and that experience is going to count for a lot. I think you know, especially with Carson, he's never kind of played up here before. You know, but yeah. Vincent's been great. Okay, uh, now on to the on to Partick Thistle, uh, the pulsating yellow head on the end of a beautiful beautiful model's nose. The zit, the zit in our league season so far. If you look at all the results in the paper from last month, um, this is a ridiculous result, I would say, especially when you consider that they were bottom in the league when we lost to them. Uh, and then the next week they go on to lose at home to a very poor Queen of the South side. So their new manager bounced last, what, one game. Um, so uh, was this about us being particularly poor? Or was it that this man, new manager bounced that resulted in all points going down the road? So I'm, I'm kind of torn. Um, I think I think we were poor, yes. But I also think we, we, we probably could easily have won that game. As I said at the start, if that was Gary Caldwell's part at Thistle, yeah, they might well have gone one nil up. But when we got when we would get it back to one all, I think we would have gone on to win it. Obviously, I think they do have a bit of a bounce from um, from Joey McCall being back. But I think we create, we did create enough chances. It's not like we were we, we we were just slack and we got punished by Partick being really clinical with the chances they created, whereas we were not as clinical. Um, you know, we, we we probably could have scored about three, four, or five goals in this game, um, but we we just we we were cruelly punished um, by a much more 
um, kind of, I guess, awake Partick Thistle than maybe a you know a team that had clearly down tools for uh, their previous manager only a week or so ago uh, prior to this game. Sorry, um, I think I think we were just unlucky, basically. Yeah. I mean, I think the the bad side is that we were exposed badly on the right-hand side, or our right-hand side, you know, this is, I suppose, the other side of Rooney, that he's kind of caught up field for the first. Um, Sonata's able to run at Donaldson and pick his spot. Um, and again, and for the third goal, I think Rooney struggled to cope with Sonata and Penrice, you know, and I think we, we saw, you know, the other side that he's maybe not as accomplished a defender as he is, you know, going forward. I'm going to jump, the- jump in there and say, in his defence, Zanata and Penrice is, is a ridiculously good combination to have to defend against. They're extremely good young, two of the best young players in the league, actually. Yeah, we know about your Penrice fixation, you know. I don't like the guy, but he's a good football player. You don't like his name? No, I just don't like him. Yeah. Uh, the other, I was, oh, sorry, Seth, on you. I was just going to say, with, with, with Zanata, we saw him do this kind of stuff uh, against us with Awa last season. Okay, it didn't always end in a goal, but... He does like to just kind of hang down the left-hand side and, and look to kind of drive in from the left flank a lot. So it's just unfortunate we, that we had, um, you know, as you say, like Rooney kind of charging forward. And, yeah, someone should probably have covered in behind him more effectively. But it was a good pass from Banigan. Donaldson should probably have closed down better. And I don't know, may, maybe Ridgers could have done better as well. I mean, I suppose we shouldn't really take anything away from, from the finish. It was a good strike by Zanata, but, yeah, it was, it was slap play. No, yeah, Donaldson but, should but, have showed. Know, it's not something we haven't seen the guy do before. Donaldson should have showed him on the outside, and fr- from Robertson's reaction after the game, it was clear that that's what he was being told to do in the video analysis before the game: is make sure you don't let Zanata cut inside you. Uh, Donaldson, you know, ends up wrong positionally. It's happened repeatedly so far this season, and I think that's why Robbo was so angry with him, and he calls him out on it afterwards, which is fair enough. Um, but for the second goal. Robbo, in his post-match interview, goes on to call out Jamie McCart, who hasn't put a foot wrong all season, and accuses him of attempting a Cruyff turn in his own half. And what what does he say? He says, you know, we've spoken to the, Jamie about this a number of times, and I don't know why he's trying to do that. To me, he's played into trouble by McGregor. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he takes an extra, he panics, takes an yeah. extra touch, mm-hmm. and tries to turn inside. He doesn't try and do anything fancy. Um, he's caught in possession. And I, I was I was raging with Robbo after the game for, for having a go at McCart and kind of hanging him out to dry yeah, it. Yeah. It raises an interesting question about your immediate aftermath uh, interviews. If you interview a manager in the English Premier League or Premier League and some of the teams in Premier League in Scotland, they're probably going to have access to video analysis straight away in matches. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm imagining Robbo's not seen that incident That's again. True. He's watched it once. He's been asked to come out for a comment and he's raging at getting beaten at home but after having a great... But you've said yourself, Robbo's ridiculously media savvy. You know, you'd think he would know better he is, but than he's also, he's, also, he's also a really passionate guy. He's also a really passionate guy and it's about, I suppose, balancing those two. He goes on and I know after, you know, once we've talked about, once we've talked about air in this pod, you know, we're all going to get very, you know, loved up about Robbo and everything because everything feels great at the moment but just, the, just to go back to the way I felt after that game and watching that interview, I did feel like Robbo spent most of the interview once he, once he'd hung his two cent, hung his two centre halves out to dry. He then went on to go on about how he'd prepared perfectly for the game. He implied that the players were being complacent. You know, he almost he almost seemed to question their effort. It was you know he really threw the toys out in that yeah. match. He isn't a big sweetie though. You know, you've seen that side of him. <laughs> he can be like that. You know, he's better than a lot of the managers we've had for for not kind of. Um, I don't know, casting the blame away from himself, but he can do it occasionally, and he definitely did that. I occasion. still just wanted to give him a big cuddle after. Okay, um, let's talk a little bit about um, Roddy McGregor in this game. This is um, 
It's his first start. He's got the assist for Big White's goal. But what sort of impact has he made on the game as a whole, Sav? I was quite surprised to see him start wide right. Um, I personally don't think that's his strongest position. Um, he came on against Peterhead uh, in the League Cup and he, he came on wide right there. He's kind of featured there against um, uh, Dundee as well. Um, but I, I, I think he's kind of best through the middle. Um, I think when we first saw him last season, I think it was against Queen of the South, he came on and he played through the middle and he was really effective there. He um, you know, really seems to have really good close control. Um, I personally that's his best vision, but he did impress there on the right-hand side. I mean, that, the, the cross he, he dug out for um, for White's goal really was fantastic. Um, and White, you know, didn't really have to, even White couldn't miss that one. Um, you know, he sometimes struggles, as I've said before, I think, to, to win uh, some of the high balls, but uh, that, that was a lovely cross, and uh, yeah, he, he was really impressive. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you about McGregor's best position being as a number 10. Um, one of the things I think is really gratifying about this season, though, is the fact that we do have several players now, McGregor, Story, Walsh, even Doran, potentially, who can switch between that 10 role and the wide role, and we've got so many more attacking options, and I think that is shown by the fact that even in this game, where you know, it's a, it's a disappointing loss. We created a lot more, I think, than in equivalent games, you know, last season and the season before. You know, remember that first season down and our last season up, we were looking at games when we had something like, you know, five shots on goal, one on target well, and stuff like that. Those seasons are We were no. terrible both of those seasons, but last season we created lots and still uh, did we? Did we create as we much? Create, at home, we created a lot of chances and missed them. Was that it not fe- the story it last feels, season? It feels to me that we are creating more this season. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm misremembering, but I feel that we are definitely creating more chances, more genuine chances from a greater variety of positions than we were last season. You I, know? I think so, yeah. I, th- I think we're... I mean, so, so we'll do some st- statistical analysis on that and you'll, you'll unveil it in the next yeah, pod, won't yeah, you, Yeah, well, that, that would be quite good to know if we are creating more chances. My impression, yeah. the narrative of last season was we're creating loads, but we're not clinical enough. Sub? I, I, would, I wouldn't say we would say last season we created loads. We, we certainly, we, I, I would definitely agree that we missed quite a few, um, but I, I do feel that we are creating more, I think, I think there's definitely more kind of end product in terms of you know, setting up a challenge for a, a White or a Story or a Todorov than there was last season. Um, and we kind of need those guys to, to step up and start, you know, taking these chances when we do create them. I think there's a lot more creativity there with your Stories, your McGregors, obviously Doran Walsh are still there from last season. I personally don't think we've missed Power too much yet. And I think one thing that's definitely, that seems different to me anyway, is that the chances we're creating... They're not coming through the middle. Like a lot of our goals last season were from kind of slide rule passes from Power through the middle. Um, it seems, or, or a set. <laughs> this year we seem to be um, creating a lot okay, more. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. The name Air can be traced back to the pre-Celtic word meaning strong river, but even they were swept away by the tsunami that is Sean Rooney on Saturday. Uh, hyper- hyperbole aside, this was a game that could have gone either way. To be honest. Numerous chances for both teams. Two fantastic one-on-one saves by Ridgers in the early stages, keeping us in it before Vincent opened the scoring was first of the season. Maulings of Morton are all well and good, but was, this was the most satisfying game of the season, was it not, Ross? I left more satisfied than I've ever been in my life. Um, you know, it was another scrappy game. Not not like the Dunfermline game, in, because there were a lot of chances in the game, but it was scrappy and we really... We really showed our teeth 
and showed that we were you know, a strong team that was willing to go away against a team that's playing really well, playing really fluid football and stand up to them and win in the midfield. And, you know, we had the quality to, to get the goals in the end as well. Sav? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, one thing that I'll um, complain about is that I, didn't, I, I missed all this action at the start, these um, mm-hmm. one-on-one saves by Ridges, thanks to Ayr's uh, shambolic new ticketing system. Um, I'm sure um, Andrew Young can have a wee moan about that as well. But no, I, I totally agree with Ross. I think that's, um, you know, Ayr are an excellent team. You know, let, let, let's not beat about the bush. I mean, go, going forward, they really are excellent. And I think we did well to um, handle their attacks. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, Rooney, Rooney Vincent, um, you know, so many good performances. But I think the, 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 the two, uh, those two guys stood out for me as the best players in the day. Yeah, I mean... I kind of missed, as you say, the first 10-15 minutes because of that ridiculous proto-cabin situation and um, having to kind of hold your hand in the queue and stuff. But um, <laughs> um, looking back at the highlights, thinking it was one of those games you kind of think it could have gone very, very differently. You kind of breathe a huge sigh of relief because I thought Forrest Kelly, McGowan, McGowan sorry, yeah. and Moffat were really good. Their interplay going forward. But actually, see, once we kind of like got through that period the strength throughout the team and particularly you know on the flanks you've got story and doran both tracking back far more than i've seen them doing recently you know um i think rob was obviously said to them you need to be back there you need to be covering and we look really difficult to kind of get past um we frustrated them ultimately you got a sense that they lost heart a wee bit you know so th- they were great you know the, as, as a team performance it, it was outstanding i thought selection wise rob was gone with the same team that's lost the park this or the same 11 with mcgregor playing well maybe not the same the same eleven, but slightly different setup. Uh, McGregor in the hole, Story Doran, either side. Was that surprising given the previous results of? No, I, I, I don't think so. As I said, I think we were just, I think we just didn't get the rubber of the green against Partick Thistle, um, and um, you know maybe we got a rubber of the green against Air. I don't know, but I think, um, I think the, the, the side that turned up against um, Partick for us is probably pretty close to our, our full strength uh, eleven. Um, obviously, we lost. Um, Welsh to injury unfortunately but Trafford came in did a good job so um, I, I can see why Robbo stuck with it what, one thing I thought was interesting was that um, I noticed, I've noticed this season or it seems to me anyway that Tremarco doesn't seem to get forward so much anymore he just kind of leaves Doran um, doing most of the attacking he will still get forward and support um, but later on as, as the game goes on he'll be a bit less um, attacking one, one thing that we've um, done this season is that we we do seem to start the second half of games quite slowly. So I was interested to see that right from the the get go in the second half, Tremarco was pushing up a lot down the left hand side, and Rooney obviously was was just being Rooney on the right. We we were really kind of taking the game to air just so we couldn't get settled back in uh, to things and and get going at us at the start of the second half. So it was good um, to see Robbo really I think get the team set up well and really get back at air to push them back so we could get back on top of the game. Just to return to the ticketing system briefly, I thought it was absolutely excellent setup. Moff handed me a ticket and I walked <laughs> in the ground. Um, <laughs> um, in terms of the shape, I think it was clearly a different shape than, than we played in the previous two, three games. There was none of that swapping. Obviously, Tom Walsh wasn't there to do the swapping. Um, but even apparently, you know, uh, McGregor wasn't on the right. McGregor played very much as a central midfielder, not even as a 10. He was pretty deep. I felt almost like we matched 
Ayers 433451 and it was all about having the dig in midfield to overcome them there and there's the, obviously just the brilliance of Rooney created mm. both goals I mean it was it, it was Christ I mean yeah we've been talking about this game for ages and we've not mentioned Rooney makes the first goal by doing his man and then scores the second goal in the most wonderful way Andrew can you describe it no, I mean you have to assume that he was gambling and staying that far up you know but then the first touch you know, that takes him forward, you know, and the way he just slides past his, you know, is like the last defender puts it away. You know, you think, I always feel that there's some sort of hex that he's got that he kind of, you know, he looks so sort of clumsy that you think that can't be real skill, but he must have really good feet. He's got you know, acceleration. He abso- yeah, yes, yeah, I mean, he's, he's fast as well, but he just, you know, the way he is able to just, you know, sh- almost, sh- it's not a shimmy, his upper body is not shimmying, but his feet are shimmying. It feels almost I mean? like it's, it's like, mental. Like it's, it's like, it's the confidence to do it. Um, that, that most players wouldn't have just to do your man like that Absolutely, and, just, yeah. and then it's just like, carry on and believe that you're going to yeah. score I think, I think Story deserves a mention as well we Absolutely. talked about him already mm. you know he's able to tuck in um, he is tucked in when he scores the goal I think it's actually a short pass by Story mm. there's a reason why uh, Donaldson hoofs it upfield um, he's probably he's, thinking Story might be there right? <laughs> but he's, uh, he's, he's, he's he's a good foil he's a good foil and for the Rooney. chance he has early in the game I mean he finds that Air didn't let him have that kind of space again but in the opening minutes of the Great game chance. he finds a space in the yeah. right he drives forward and he absolutely belts it from the edge of the box across the keeper um, and almost puts us one up straight away mm. Great, well, um, thankfully we do actually have a description of that goal and we're going to leave you with it before we go to the next section. Over to the commentator. And they're on the start, his orders and they're off and stories follow him and Donaldson takes a lead and Rooney's clipper on the outside hammering on like thunder, he's passed for us, he's left Kelly for dead, he's hurled on Beaches Brook like Manchester and like Gales, reading a pack of lugubrious lies, he's retired the disorientated Roscoe, heading for the finish line, one jump to go and he's evaded the stress too and it's Rooney at the finish line by a grizzly beard! <laughs> Okay, uh, those noises you hear are you, the fans, because this section is called Boardroom Business uh, and everybody wants to know what's going on. We don't really have any real insight, uh, but we can kind of talk through some talking points. But let's talk about dwindling financial resources, an ever-changing roster of roasters, uh, uncertainty, vitriol, a lack of communication and clarity, but enough about Brexit. Let's talk about Callie Thistle. Um, let's focus on the outgoing chairman, Graham Ray. When he came in, he was quoted as saying, the vision is to get back to the premiership. We want to do it in a financially stable way. We have to live within our means. We have to earn our way out of it. We can't spend more than we have. There has to be some new investment. So presumably he couldn't make that investment. So what investment has he actually made, Ross? I don't think he ever said he was going to make investment, did he? I, I didn't ever see, ever see him as a, an investor. Chairman, I, I've got to admit, I find anything that chairmen say a bit tedious and I do switch off to an extent. I mean, they're, they're, they are, as much as they do often claim to be kind of community, kind of uh, um, whatever, <laughs> they are they are selling themselves and their own businesses or whatever above all else. Um, I, didn't, I didn't have any expectations from Ray. I think it's telling. I mean, the, the, main, the main thing I'd want to say about it all is that We've been running this loss. It's been an almost identical loss over the two years. It's almost a million. It's 800 and something. So 
they know they're making that loss. They, I mean, they probably know in advance of making it. They know what the crowds are going to be, more or less. Yeah. They know what the playing budget is. They know what the youth budget is. And yet, they still made the decision to... Um, to carry on with the budget that we have. So that that tells me that there isn't a financial crisis at the club, that um, there are wealthy benefactors who give us soft loans and then write them off for whatever reason, and that Graham Ray set this year's budget in the full knowledge that it wasn't going to put the club at risk and that wealthy benefactors would step in and, and fill the gap. And, the, and, and it appears they have. Or he assumed that that would happen and was reckless. I don't know. I mean, one of the things I heard about Ray, and I, you know, as someone who has spoken to him personally, is that he came on board in the expectation of being someone on the board who would be an ideas person who might be able to get an attract investment, you know. And then he turned up on day one and was told, by the way, you're the chairman. Now, I don't have that absolutely verified, but that's what somebody spoke to him, you know, told me. Um... And yeah, yeah, as you said, I, I, I'm not sure that he was brought in on the understanding that he would be personally investing. I don't think it was at all. I think it was about a tragic investment, which he doesn't seem to have done. Is he not part of the, the, the consortium? What Murfield, is it? Mills. Murfield Mills. Yeah, yeah, which has been talked about for ages. But again, I, that there was an initial investment, investment that they made as yeah. a group at the time hmm. um, in the relegation season, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Sub? I mean, I, I kind of get the impression that Ray and some of the others don't really want to be there anyway. Hmm. Um, I think they kind of came in because there was no one else really around at the time and I guess maybe they all kind of thought this is going to be a short-term temporary thing until we can actually get you know a group in who actually want to be chairman and you know board of directors actually want to be there I, I kind of always feel like they just saw it as a as a short-term um, measure rather than anything long-term and, and maybe they just kind of had enough I mean I, I kind of agree with Ross I I, I can't say I'm overly interested in the financial aspects of it all, but obviously when you see these headlines in the red tops of the week, Cali fiscal administration threat, etc., um, obviously it does you know make you sit up. Um, I think it's probably pretty important to state that is you know that this whole threat of administration that is not the case. That the, the club is not in any threat right now of going into administration. Uh, my understanding from speaking to people is that it's a case of if we want to maintain the current budget for um, you set up maintaining uh, this particular first team squad at, at these kind of salaries, then we need more money coming in uh, soon to be able to allow us to do that over the next you know year or so. Um, obviously, if we don't get that money, then we would need to look to cut costs, be it maybe kind of scale back our you set up like Falkirk and Livingston have done. Um, Livingston, another club, incidentally, who blame increased costs from Project Brave for the reason um, for for them shutting down their their use set up. Well, this this is this is part of the main reason, part of the crux behind the most most of the money. Most of the money it's lost actually isn't about being in the championship. Most of the money is about the youth system. So you know we talk about being at the heart of the community, and this is exactly what clubs like Cali Thistle need to be doing. And Scott Gardner's in the press this week talking about being closer to the community and regaining the trust of the community, which is the same, same thing that you know the previous two chairmen have said. But at the end of the day, if the first team isn't winning, then people aren't going to come to football matches. So you know why not get rid of the youth team like Falkirk have done? Why not get rid of it? Because it's an albatross, a financial albatross around the club's neck. I think it's something you do, you, you think very, very, very seriously about. You do it at your peril, you know. I mean, 
we've not got the greatest record of bringing players through, but we have brought a few decent players through, and I think this season we're seeing more coming through. You've only I mean? taken and through this... one player that's paid for one season worth of the youth setup. Yeah, I know. I mean, the whole system or the whole situation with Project Brave is really frustra- frustrating and perplexing because obviously we're having to outlay more. At the same time, am I right in saying that that's partly because previously youth players would actually pay to be part of a setup is that right they would have to pay an awful lot of their own way and project brave was about meaning that they didn't have to do that which actually makes it socially a much fairer system i'm really kind of torn about that you know i think it's it's really depressing that we're suddenly so much worse off because of it but at the same time i don't think that um any sort of youth set up should favor the kind of the better of kids you know what i mean but i do think you know if we have to do it to keep the club afloat then we do it but i just think that the other thing is that local fans identify with local players you know you don't want to be a team that is entirely a turnover of players coming in for a season two seasons and either dropping next they're not good enough or being sold on because they've done well and you replace the team all the time we've done that to quite a large extent over the years but there have usually been one or two younger players players with continuity and stuff like that and i'd hate us to be the sort of team that that just there is no sense of continuity at all. I think that'd be very, very depressing. I think the guys, the guys that are providing these soft loans that are, um, <clears throat> want to cut the, the youth system. I think that's what all this noise is about. All this EGM right. and all this drama. It's just setting the scene for them to come in and make cuts through the youth system. I, I'm not making any comment on the rights and wrongs of that, but the fact that the fact that we chose to sign five experienced players pre-season rather than bringing the youngsters through that were there and then we set ourselves up with a squad that could could have a tilt at the title or pro- most likely get back in the playoffs it just tells me that that, that that's where the focus is and that um and, and all this noise is just about reducing the outlay on youth um for these guys to come in um and i'm not i'm like i say i'm not making any judgment on the rights and wrongs of that i genuinely don't know um if we get back up then we can have a youth system is that is that a fair conclusion? Sov? One, one of the things that I'm kind of struggling with, like I say, I, I don't tend to find all this overly interesting myself, but, I mean, we're this, this is our third third year in the Championship, and every season it seems Robbo's, he's talked about how he's had to, he's had his budget um, cut back, um, I think he's had his budget cut back pretty much every single season, and yet we still seem to be making similar losses. I, I don't... I don't quite understand how that all adds up. If 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 Robbo's budget is getting cut every year, and did he not did he not say something has been cut by something like one million pounds or something incredible like that, which just shows the difference being in the Championship compared to the Premiership. You know, if he's if he's had to cut it by that much, how are we still losing so much money? It's a good question. I wonder if anyone asked it at any of the meetings this week. Well, one one thing's for sure. Hopefully, we've got a decent sell-on clause uh, with Ryan Christie at Celtic. Well, I think that's yeah. been confirmed. We do. Do we? Um, so I, I was I'm I'm shocked and surprised by that. Well, <laughs> shocked <laughs> and surprised. It's long. just okay. a standard thing. Without without a financial benefactor such as Sutherland, you know, Savage or McGilvery, though, where do we go from here? Well, we do have those benefactors. We, do, do we, we don't have to ask ourselves that question. We're not Martin do, or Air. Do, do we have those benefactors? I think it's obvious we do. We're making uh, 800 and something grand losses every year and then we're writing them off. So we, we are getting well, that kind we, of... Uh, none of these guys have come out. I know. They're choosing to do it quietly. I mean, I think the first meeting at the EGM, Savage, I think, at that meeting, 
publicly covered the first quarter million, which he's been doing. And then in the that that, that in the press they haven't. He's obviously not wanted to be named as having done that. But those who were at the EGM, just named him. well, those who were at the EGM named him yeah. as saying, uh, you know, he he said publicly at the EGM, oh, right. I'll, I'll cover that chairman. Um, so no, right. okay, we've had a lot of people going out of the club recently. I think within a period of one or two months earlier this. This year, certainly in the last year, there was Yvonne Crook, Chief Exec, Danny McDonald, Academy Director, Stadium Manager, Andy Johnson, Head of Finance, Evelyn Brown, Child Protection Officer, and then three youth coaches, community coaches. That's a lot of people. And then there are people that have left the club as well, including Graham Ray. So what, what, what we, you know, who's running the club? It just seems to be Scott Gardner. He must be doing everything, the guy. He must be doing everything. I mean... There's a there's a power vacuum there. Well, Robbo said in uh, in the press conference prior to the air game that um, Scott Gardner, he was asked about the wisdom of recruiting Scott Gardner, and he he said to the to Graham Ray at the time, if you can sign Scott Gardner, it'll be the best sign of the season. So obviously Robbo was involved in that appointment, um, and I, I suspect maybe some of the investors were as well. Um, I, I guess there must have been a degree of mismanagement under Ray, um, with you know. With the whole Crook McDonald situation, wasn't wasn't pretty either, and money mm-hmm. was lost there. Um. Yeah, I mean, you hear so many kind of stories and mixed messages flying about. There's an awful lot of people in Inverness, you know, for a, a club with a relatively small core support. There's an awful lot of people that seem to know a lot or be there's a certain amount of tribalism there. I mean, a lot of the debate on the on the, the website, kind of people were. I mean, quite openly. I'm not saying that people were kind of being at all deceitful about this but they're kind of saying I don't rate X because they were discourteous to me or whatever you know and, and people you know there are various kind of posters there who have kind of um, basically taken aside you know based on their past experience of people and so it's very very and they may well have very very good reasons for doing that but it's very hard for those of us who don't have any sort of direct connection to the club or know the individuals involved to really make a clear judgement about that mm. but um there do seem to be, you know, certain kind of, you know, certain potential investors or people who want to be interested in the club, but only if so and so is not interested in blah 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 sort of thing. It's very frustrating from your kind of um, yeah. less quote unquote connected supporters' point of view. Mm-hmm. You kind of just want to go, you know, just and I haven't taken a side. I just hate yeah. them all. <laughs> yeah. Kenny Cameron, Willie Finlayson, Yvonne Crook, Graham Ray, Zebedee, Brian the Snail, Ermintrude, Dylan the Rabbit. Just a bizarre cavalcade of characters going round and round, gazing vacantly at the clouds. Little idea of reality, isn't it? Sounds like a carry away day. What we wouldn't give for a talking jack in the box of magical powers. For McDonald, of the castle, Inverness men, Weechies, Hustle, Jenny Heavers, CCTV, PC's Pizzas, Judas, City, Parliament Park, the Library, Spectrum Centre, the Moggy Story, Cali Thistle, the Golden Mile, Musicate Centre, Matalan. Okay, looking forward, let's now cast, a, cast an eye upon the month of October. Uh, the leaves are withering, turning a rusty shade of auburn and dropping from the trees like Muhammad El Bakhtiwi in a penalty box. The air chills, but your winter jacket still has tomato sauce on it from last season. So you take the ill-advised decision to don your summer jacket for one more week with the golden winter sun looming seductively on the horizon. Just like the possibility of a hatchet man from San Marino putting Shankland out for the rest of the season. <laughs> Aloha at home, 12th of October. Uh, on this day in 1492, Christopher Columbus reached the Caribbean, which is about the same distance as anyone south of the Dromokhtar Pass thinks Inverness is from wherever they stay. This should be an easy win, Sav. Um, although Alloa did look pretty impressive against Dundee United um, last Friday night, so maybe not 
taking anything for granted here. I'd like to think we'll have enough to, to get through this one. I would imagine, again, similar to the, the Morton um, Challenge Cup game, Robbo might mix things up a little bit. So we might, well, we're probably going to see the likes of Trafford coming in anyway because of the injury to Welsh, but we might also maybe see Carson getting a game, uh, Todorov starting as well. So I personally would be quite happy to lose this one and win the more important one against Alawa the week after. That would be on the 19th of October, and on the 19th of October in 2005, Saddam Hussein went on trial in Baghdad for crimes against humanity. So, Peter Grant, crimes against open-neck shirts, and Alawa at home again the same week, where Grant will have presumably learned all our secrets from the previous week and unleashed some kind of tactical masterclass that will take all three points back to the wrecks. Yeah, the biggest crime against humanity was actually last season when Jim Goodwin managed to narrow the lines so that we were playing a three foot wide pitch there but, yeah. um, luckily this game's at home um, yeah I think it's winnable one of the reasons even though I thought Alawa yeah, played lovely neat tidy attacking football against United they're very small and we seem to have done well against small teams this season you know Air are small and nimble and nifty and we managed to kind of um, you know nullify them eventually after a shaky start so I think yeah we're just gonna we're gonna dominate them is it definitely the Challenge Cup game first and then the league game? Yes. Because yeah. you just worry about that going wrong yeah. and accidentally accidentally putting the weakened team out in the league game. <laughs> so as, as long as the... Well, as long as the manager as, knows what as, game... As long as it's the Challenge Cup. I, I had this pie. I woke up in the middle of the night panicking that maybe I needed to contact <laughs> Robbo to make sure he knew. But yeah. then it was the Challenge Cup game first and that can't go I'm, I'm going to talk about Peter Grant just for one minute because I have given a bit of a slagging on a couple of previous pods because I, I thought he would be poor. Um, but as just goes to show, you know, what do I know? Or what does anyone know about football? Because he's done, he's done, he's done very well. I was mm-hmm. talking to a guy that writes for the Wasps program, um, so he's widened the pitch, he's tweaked the formation, he's changed the style of play that I think the older fans were crying out for. Um, they're now playing a diamond in midfield. They've got Flanagan and Collier in there play really well, and one of the dirtiest players in the league, Hetherington. They've got Robbie Dees at centre-half, who had a bit of a sticky start to the season, but is playing really well. And Alan Troughton in the hole, who just keeps going and has got so much more to his game than just scoring penalties, as anybody could see that watched the game that they won against Dundee United the other week. Their only issue is actually their lack of numbers and the depth in squads. So um, given that we played them two weeks in a row, um, hopefully you know that lack of strength and depth affects him uh, in the second week and we can wrap up three points in an easier manner than in the Challenge Cup game. But uh, on the 26th of October, we've got Morton away. And on this day in 1955, Austria declared permanent neutrality. By this time, Morton will have declared themselves permanently shit. <laughs> Ross? Um, we were, we've were we been really good at Capilo recently. Mm. We must be on some run there. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, obviously, the two games, the two home games against Morton re- look, um, went really well. Um, I always enjoy going to Capilo for a variety of reasons, and I'm and I'm confident. Um, well, they they conceded uh, they conceded twenty goals in eight games, which sort of quashes the idea that Peter Grant's son, Peter Grant Junior, is any good at football. Yeah, they're well, I would good. say though is oh. that Morn are unbeaten at home. Yeah, I was going to say that. Season, mm. So on paper, you'd think it would be easy, especially buoyed by our recent results against them. But they do look pretty decent at Capilo. Uh, but hopefully, as Ross says, you know, we continue our good run there and get what will be a pretty important three points. And I'd imagine we'd probably just stay down the road, given we've got Queens a few days later. Yeah, Ho- I mean, hopefully, I kind of feel our luck might run out there. I mean, I know they've they've been poor away this season, um, decent at home, but we really got lucky there. Was it around Christmas last season? I think it was like twenty second of December or something. We absolutely jammed our way to a win there. So, I mean, I love Capello. It's fantastic, old school. So I hope not hope for another win there. But you could possibly see it kind of going to its death. 
Queen's away, 29th of October, uh, on this day in 1266, Margaret of Austria, Queen of Bohemia, died. So, Palmerston Park, um, just two days before Halloween, but pagan festival or not, one bizarre individual that can be seen knocking around in Fries week in, week out is club mascot Doogie the Doonhamer, who isn't even a hammer, like West Ham's hammer. He is, in fact, a human-sized border collie. What? <laughs> <laughs> He's played by supermarket worker Brian Harkness. So, Ross, <laughs> Queen's away. Queen's away. Um, and they, they, I was really surprised that they got the result um, at Fir Hill on Saturday that they got. So, you know, we just kind of have to hope that they don't string together our results between now and then. Um, again, you do feel confident with these games. You put them together, Aloha at home, mm. yeah. Morton away, Queen of the South away and you start to fantasise about a yeah. really exciting points total and perhaps yeah. league position in advance of the big one. Yeah. yeah, one thing about that game I think it's pegged on for nil-nil. I think looking at the stats, it's the two best goalkeepers in the divisions. Ridgers has got five clean sheets, um, 23 saves. McCrory's three clean sheets. I think he's got the most saves in the division, mm. 30 saves. Also so, pegged on for the smallest away support of the season. Yeah, mid midweek game, isn't it? Okay, last one we're going to take a wee look at. Um, 2nd of November, it's a long way away now, but, um, you know, should both teams form in the last month uh, match this month, then this this game is massive. Dundee United up the road, uh, even at this stage in the season. I think Air United is massive, and if we get the points that we think maybe we can get from the three league games that precede it, then it will be really massive. Hopefully, a big crowd at Cali Park, and I wonder, I wonder a little bit whether the system that we played at Somerset on Saturday, what, and we talked about this in a previous pod, what is perhaps what we might be thinking about for this game. Um, obviously, I mean. Not necessarily with McGregor, but with three central midfielders, and yeah. you've got and you've got Dory, uh, Dory, Dory, uh, who's Dory? <laughs> it's a cross between it's a cross between Story and Dorin, which is of course well, what no, we no, wish we all had. Great. Dorin with Story's uh, stature and pace, yeah. Um, so you've got yeah Story, Dorin. Um, and Walsh, two of those three plus three central midfielders. That's the way and to go, isn't it? Against I think, United, I three think central given, given the way that we did wrestle the initiative off air in the midfield, you know, we were up for the battle throughout. Um, if we were able to reproduce that at home, you know, you start to, you start to, and, and having what seen United uh, yeah. fail, fail against a, a five man midfield um, at Aloha, you do start to think maybe we could, maybe we could do them on the 2nd of November. Sub? Uh, my, my main thought for this one was I was thinking this could be a candidate for a Friday night game actually which might help us given that might um, reduce the size of the, the Dundee United support but um, I've realised that Dundee are playing Morton on the Friday night so that's not going to happen I think there's a real chance here that the home fans could be outnumbered by the away support that, uh, that day but uh, no, it's a huge game potentially I mean, you know, going into this given our run of games I mean yeah I, I take the point that <clears throat> excuse me that you know Morton away and Queen's away back to back you know we could well slip up there but Imagine if we don't, you know, you know, there's no reason why we couldn't get a win against Alloa in the week. There's no reason why we can't get a win against Moore and Acapulco and be Queens. We, we could be going into this game against United top of the league. We really could. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not that impressed with Dundee United. I think going forward, they are excellent. But defensively, they look an absolute gang at the back. And I, I think we can take advantage yeah. of that. Well, I'll tell you, in that same month, United play Queens away, um, Dunfermline at home, Partick at home and... Party got a draw at Tannadice last season while the Pars took all three points at the start of last season so it is infinitely possible 
Um, coming up, mailbag predictions for Halloween, all squeezed into 15 minutes. Where'd you want to drink? Well, 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 the Glen Alvin, the Thistle the Jolly Trooper, the Castle Tavern, Cupcus Jocksters, Dyers of Gallons, the City Bar, number 27, Phoenix Slaughters, Love to Love, King Exchange, and Mambo's Hush, Heepies, Jeebies, Johnny's, Riley's, Burgies, Kilmore, Hoop, and Annie's. So we've got mailbag coming up, but one of the questions we got on Twitter was who are the top five worst players ever to play for Cali Thistle? So why have five when you can have 11? With the socially acceptable pagan festival of Halloween around the corner, we thought it would be the optimum time to introduce a new feature called Nightmare 11. 11 of the most ghoulish goalkeepers, wicked wingers, dreadful defenders and sickening strikers ever to play for the club. So just to get everyone into the into the pagan mood first, a Halloween rhyme. Double, double. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Double, double, toil and trouble, bank balance burns and boardroom bubbles, fillet of a viger snake in the cauldron boil and bake, Isle of Newton, Jeffrey Dahmer, wool of bat and tongue of charmers, draper's fork and Billy's sting, lizard's leg and that ugly bastard guardine on the wing, for a charm of dingle trouble, like a hell ball broth boil and bubble. So we kick off with Andrew's suggestion and the first name on the team sheet, the frightening forward, the nightmarish number nine that is... Does anyone know anything about slander, by the way? I'm going to touch on that later on. <laughs> right. Can I use the the phrase wage thief? Say what you will. Okay. I better not use wage, wage thief, you know, just in case wage thief seven. is that. Yeah. Was he? I can't remember. Yeah, no he, was, no, he was number seven. We talked about that. Anyway, yeah, I mean, it's not like I'm giving it a pursuing vendettas across multiple podcasts, but um, aye, Danny Lopez, definitely. Um, I mean, partly the resentment is because of the ridiculous expectations Hughes created around him. I think he said at the time he was in the mould of the new Celtic striker Nadir Shifty. He will offer a goal threat, something supporters have been worried had been lacking. If he gets played in anywhere around the box, he's liable to turn you. He's at an age when he's been there and done that and he doesn't need much coaching. What utter, <laughs> utter, utter shit. Um... When I looked at his stats, I mean, they're actually worse than I remembered. He made 10 appearances for the club, 7 starts, 3 as a sub. He scored once. He boasts a win percentage of 20%, but actually we never won a game in which he started. He appeared as a sub in the two games that we featured in. We were the Scottish Cup Cup champions at the time. We'd finished third the season before. Hughes was boasting about having Inverness, or Hughes apparently had Inverness's highest ever budget, which Kenny Cameron made sure he made, you know, public. Um, so he must have been on a pretty hefty wage, and he was garbage. It must be about the worst return of any ICT what, player ever. Absolutely lamentable what, what player. What was it? What was the return? What do you mean the return? The return was one goal in ten shit appearances. <laughs> you know, um, just awful, awful, lamentable. We, we did also get to enjoy seeing him challenge some uh, Motherwell fans in, the, in their disabled section to a fight after I think they thought. He went down slightly easily to get one of their um, players sent off, so there, there was some enjoyable. Right, so you just you just clarified something for me because I knew there was a disability issue there because he, he, he. Oh, there was definitely a disability. He, no, but he, issue. he he was suspended for spitting on a St. Johnson youth player. I thought he spat on a disabled fan, but no, he tried to fight disabled supporters. I think Jesus. he did. I think he did both. He's just a just a he, horrid he individual. He's in there. He's not. He's not well, only in the Nightmare Eleven. He's captaining it. He's cap captain of the Nightmare yeah. Eleven. Danny Lopez playing up front. And we're not going to open that up to the Twitter sphere. Um, chuck us a few suggestions and we're going to read them out over the next few podcasts. Uh, but for now, let's move on to the next section. Um, mailbag. Now, The Postman is a 1997 adventure film set in a post-apocalyptic world following a nomadic drifter who wanders the wastelands while delivering the post. So over to Sav. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for 
for that. Um, yeah, so we got a few questions in again. So cheers to everyone who um, sent us um, some things to talk about. Um, first one up, Kenneth Cameron, who could well be our former chairman. I don't actually know, but um, he was asking, uh, Story or Keaton's uh, to play um, up alongside White? Well, kind of restricted there, I think, now, aren't we? <laughs> but um, who, who do you think? Do you think we should um, have um, two up front or just keep Story out wide? Or, or play Keaton's on crutches? Um, well, no, I think uh, we've, we've covered a lot of this already, but I, I, I'm pretty much happy with what Robbo's doing. He's, he's you know, we, we, last season he wasn't this flexible during games and now he's able to switch between the two systems pretty seamlessly. And Story, um, as I've already uh, commented on, Story's the ideal person really because um, he can start his runs from different positions and I'm pretty much happy with... Uh, with him alongside White or to the right of White, in terms of what we've got, obviously, ideally, we'd have somebody we could rely on to score 20, 25 goals, but we don't. So within the resources that we have, it's it's Story and White, and I think they're going to start for a run of games now. Yeah, I would, I would have neither. I would have... Oh, <laughs> neither? I know, You're going to have well, and McGregor. Neither Story or Keating's up top alongside White. I would oh. potentially have, uh, have Miles Story through the middle. Why oh, for Christ's sake! No. Well, eleven goals in the Premier League as a central striker for us. My own story. Yeah, but with Ryan Christie absolutely feeding him in the whole time. I, well, I, no, I the, the so. new Ryan I Christie, Roddy McGregor. Uh, nah. Well, that's that's my opinion. So and I'm sto- entitled to. So it. what are you that's saying? A shit <laughs> what are you saying? Story on his own, and I think you could play white. story up front. Yeah, I think like we did at Dundee. I think you could play story up. Front it's also an option. Right? Any yeah, more? Any more mailbags? Like what else? What else is in your sack? Um, well, uh, we mentioned 2015 a short time ago. Beth Kemp was asking, will 2015 ever happen again for us? Scottish Cup win in third place. Do we see both of them or even just one of them happening again? Uh, I think that a certain set of, set of circumstances needs to transpire for us to win a Scottish Cup. But I think what certainly could happen is Europe. I think that, you know, given the club was got ourselves in an upward spiral again, then there's no reason why we couldn't push up and get a top six finish at some point. It looks like them over the bridge are doing pretty well to try and get it this season. So if you kept that momentum going, there's absolutely no reason why you couldn't try and get a fourth spot in the league. And we could see Europe at some point in the next 20 years. Certainly it's what I hope for because that um, that Romanian trip was, you know, it was amazing. One of the best best things I've ever done. Yeah, I've heard it was quite good. <laughs> I heard that as well yeah. um, and you were there again. <laughs> um, there's no reason why why it can't happen again have a look back anybody that wants to ask this question or say you know we'll never qualify for Europe again just look back at who's represented Scotland in Europe over the last 20 years lots of clubs of our size do it and we'll do it again yeah can I just put in my trivia question here Oh, which player has represented more Scottish clubs in Europe than any other more uh, clubs yeah That'll, that's one for the Twitter sphere. Yep. Uh, is that the questions? We got one more. One more, um, and oh. that's from Sean Mackay. What can the club realistically do to get more people coming through the gates to Cali Stadium? God, right. I'm going to be really, really negative here. I'd be really huge, quick, also. Okay, I'd a huge rant about this, but I think that we came into existence at a time when all the circumstances were absolutely right for us to get a surprisingly high level of support. I think it's fallen off. I don't think it's coming back to the levels that it was before 2015. And just a couple of responses from last pod's mailbag, not ball bag. 
Uh, Martin McInnes and Kinghorn got in touch uh, in an irate state to complain that Paul Ritchie and Scott McLean didn't get a mention in our discussion about all-time best strikers. And Liam McLeod in Potosi, Bolivia, uh, uh, wrote to us, uh, and he was a bit more to the point. He said, Billy McKay headed Paul Ritchie. Fuck off. <laughs> Uh, well, going back to Sub's question, what could the club, what, the CTO massive what could now, the club realistically do to increase attendance? Is um, I would say half price season tickets for anyone who turns up down the long run with their Aberdeen or Rangers season ticket, a box of matches, their reclaimed sanity, and does the logical thing. Ingress, what the hell? How you doing? No barter cell for shitty weather, drugs and business. Inverness is a fucking business. That's us for now. Four podcasts and a mini pod in. We've covered topics from ticket prices to terraces, dream rings to Dick Campbell. You can find us on uh, Podbean, iTunes. I think now that we've got five episodes, we're on Spotify. Is that right, Ross? Aye, the, um, oh yeah, yeah. We're Spotify. We'll be on Spotify this week. Yeah. Um, thanks to Sophie Rob for the artwork, Steve Kelly for the theme tune. If anybody wants to contribute with their own artier musical skills or wants to offer anything that might be considered for the pod, just get in touch because uh, we're we are really running out of ideas. We're desperate. <laughs> um, thanks to everyone who stuck with us from the first pod. Um, a lot of it, like the Daily Record, is absolute nonsense, but so is football. We would ask everyone to get the word out about the pod. Let's get more listeners, more downloads, more suggestions for. Content content and hopefully you can all help us grow the pod and make the whole thing bigger and better we are all off to dress as pikachu take care of yourself and each other bye for now yep, yep.